0: I believe that we are in the process of living through a tipping point, or great upheaval. Firstly, because we are living through the end of what could seem like the end of abundance. This overview that I'm giving, the end of abundance, the end of insouciance, the end of assumptions, it's ultimately a tipping point that we are going through that can lead our citizens to feel a lot of anxiety. Faced with this, we have duties, the first of which is to speak frankly and very clearly without doom-mongering. These were segments of a speech by French President Emmanuel Macron at the start of the first cabinet meeting after the French government's traditional August holiday this year. As an article on Monde.fr puts it, France faces sacrifices after end of abundance as the French president prepared the country for a difficult winter ahead. Don't ask me why, but this speech reminds me of Frank Sinatra's timeless song, My Way, an amazing, deep and soulful song. It was, by the way, an adaptation of the original French song, Comme d'habitude, by Claude François. You would usually play My Way as a tribute to a beloved war colleague at his or her retirement party to celebrate the end of a successful career with everyone holding a glass of champagne for a toast. Or, perhaps, the last song you would want to play at your 90th birthday, with all friends and family members, as you shed a tear full of mixed emotions, when you look back at what you've accomplished. And, hmm, the carbon footprint of your 50-plus strong descendants that will probably reach a combined 40,000 tons of CO2 equivalent over their lifetimes. And you whisper to yourself, What have I done?
1: A bit overly dramatic, don't you think?
0: Yes, probably. I got carried away in my failed attempt at an Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcockian twist. Okay, so back to sobriety then. When it comes to the end of abundance and carelessness, I think we could rename the song Our Way.
1: Really? Why would you want to do that?
0: Ha! Hold my glass of champagne for a second. Now, just imagine all the 8 billion humans on Earth holding each other's hand, all facing planet Earth at a time where 6 out of the 9 planetary boundaries have been breached with irreversible damage being inflicted to its biodiversity, natural resources, soil, global hydrological cycle, etc. Each and every one of us, and you included Siri, not singing Hail the World, we did that already in the Frog and Climate Change episode, but instead singing at the top of our lungs. We did it our way. Here it goes. And now the end is near. And so we face the final curtain. My friend, we'll say it clear, we'll state our case, of which we are certain. We've lived a life that's full, we traveled each and every highway, and more, much more than this, we did it our way. Yes, there were times, we are sure you knew, when we bit off more than we could chew, but through it all, when there was doubt, we ate it up and spit it out. We faced it all and we stood tall and did it our way. Is this really the end of abundance and the beginning of a new era of scarcity of natural resources and stable climate? Is this also a new era of lower returns for financial assets? As central banks around the world aggressively raise interest rates in their epic and merciless battle against inflation, thus putting an end to the easy money fuel bubble in equity and bond markets. Should we prepare for the end of economic abundance, with more scarcity in goods and services, lower housing affordability, an endemic cost-of-living crisis, a disruption to the very fabric of globalization via a breakdown in supply chains and a new geopolitical world order? Or maybe, just maybe, instead of preparing for the dystopian world in the movie Mad Max, we are at the beginning of a revolution in mindsets where less is more. Let's start our investigation. First, when you listen closely to the lyrics of Our Way, you cannot not think about the great achievements of our economic growth model. Indeed, it has brought about higher standards of living, better quality of life, physical and digital infrastructures, which have lifted hundreds of millions out of poverty our civilization can see further into the universe than ever before. We've discovered the Higgs boson and found a vaccine to the COVID-19 pandemic in a record-breaking time via breakthrough mRNA technology. All of this would not have been possible without the industrial revolutions at the beginning of the century, which increased human productivity a hundredfold thus giving us the luxury of time to enjoy higher education, holidays and entertainment, like listening to this podcast. In a nutshell, a period of abundance in pretty much everything, at least for some of us. Obviously, technological progress came at a significant cost to the environment and its resources. This is simply because all of this productivity was only possible thanks to the phenomenal armada of industrial and household machines and robots that surrounds us. You included Siri. Not again. In the words of Jean-Marc Jancovici, a climate expert who was a guest speaker at one of our events, each and every one of us wears an Iron Man or Iron Woman suit that multiplies our ability to change and transform our environment to our needs. But they have an insatiable thirst for fossil fuel a source of energy that is also facing the end of its abundance. Think peak oil. The carbon intensity of GDP has decreased over time, but it is more than offset by the relentless pursuit of growth an elusive pursuit of happiness through endless acquisition of material things.
1: Because we are living in a material world, and I'm a material AI.
0: Cute, Siri. Anyway, as a documentary on Netflix puts it nicely, we work long and hard hours at a job we hate, to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. Pretty grim, perhaps too grim. So let me balance that quote with one from Confucius. If you find a job you love, you will never work a day of your life.
1: I feel this way about podcasting.
0: (laughs) Good for you. Now, when it comes to financial markets and the economy, clearly there are tough times ahead. Hundreds, if not thousands, of articles covered the recent political crisis in the UK, which started with the mini-budget debacle. It is a good example of the end of abundance in economic stability and low interest rates volatility. Think mortgage rates, for example. The Guardian has an article entitled... The mini-budget that broke Britain and Lee Trust. The Financial Times has one that reads, Lee Trust apologises for chaos caused to Britain by mini-budget. And another, entitled, Economists downgrade UK growth forecasts in wake of mini-budget 2022. This is a clear example of a situation where two very powerful economic agents clashed. central banks on one side, with unlimited ability to print money but also set interest rates, and governments, on the other side, with an unlimited ability to raise taxes and implement policy. One cannot not quote, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Now, ask yourself the following question. What happens when an unstoppable force, think central banks, meets an immovable object, think government and its obsession to stay in power? My precious. Any answer from the audience?
1: Well, this is elementary. The answer is... Time stops. Sorry for the dramatic effect.
0: That would be true in theoretical physics. And this might even create a black hole, perhaps. But here, we're dealing with humans. Do you remember Einstein's quote? There are two things that are infinite. The size of the universe and human stupidity. And he was not sure about the size of the universe. (laughs) Okay, so when the government and the central bank of a country clash, well, something eventually breaks. The value of its currency or its bond market, as the country's credibility is put into doubt and investors demand a higher risk premium. You can take the analogy of two people pulling the steering wheel of a car in opposite directions as they are cruising down the highway at 100 miles per hour. You would agree with me that this is unlikely to end well. And the insurance company is likely to ask for a higher premium.
1: This is a euphemism, right?
0: Yep. Then again, when they do work together, they can be a formidable force for good. We all saw this during Covid-19, when 25 trillion dollars of monetary and fiscal stimulus was successfully injected into the arms of the world economy, and it was put in hibernation to save human lives and livelihoods. But let's get back to the UK and our end of abundance in economic stability example. In its attempt to jumpstart growth, Lee trust's plans to cut taxes and stimulate growth would have increased aggregate demand and put more upward pressure on inflation. The very inflation virus that central banks around the world, Bank of England included, are so determined, if not desperate, to quash by all means necessary. And a fiscal policy looking to increase demand was indeed at loggerheads with a monetary policy that would have had to increase interest rates by more than necessary, thus causing a loss in confidence in the bond market and forcing mortgage rates to levels not seen in decades.
1: How did this end?
0: Not surprisingly, the UK government bond markets crashed. This forced the Bank of England to intervene and temporarily change course by injecting more liquidity to maintain financial stability, the very liquidity it was supposed to withdraw from markets to tame inflation. The government appeared to have scored a point here against the Bank of England. But this was only short-lived, as something did break. Market confidence. And more importantly, the credibility of the central bank, which is the institution whose job it is to protect the value of its currency. The government had to eventually change course for economic stability reasons. But it then lost its own credibility and was forced to resign. Rishi Sunak then became the new prime minister with a totally different agenda of more fiscal austerity and spending cuts. We, or at least in the UK, are thus entering an era of tighter monetary and fiscal policies needed to combat inflation. Or in other words, the end of abundance. Joke aside, One could argue that monetary policy prevailed against fiscal policies when economic stability and the credibility of a central bank were at stake. The question is now whether this tension could appear elsewhere, in the US or in Europe, where governments are all looking to shield households from the cost-of-living crisis and thereby potentially making the inflation outlook worse for central banks. Only time will tell. But in the meantime, when the discount rate for most risky assets is both rising and volatile, it has a negative effect on confidence, and asset prices suffer. Ultimately, it is more likely to be a transitory, rather than a permanent state of affairs, if and when inflation is defeated. Now, the final question. Should we prepare for an end of abundance, or the beginning of a new mindset? The end of abundance is indeed multidimensional. Let's review a few of them. Firstly, the abundance of low prices for goods and services, thanks to the benefit of globalization. This is indeed being challenged with the rebalancing between the efficiency and the resiliency of global supply chains in a context of geopolitical uncertainty. This could add to inflationary pressures in the long term, as we saw when discussing the known unknowns of inflation. And also around greenflation, when it comes to the scarcity of the very minerals and metals needed for the energy transition and the electrification of our economy. Second, the end of abundance of natural resources such as water. We recently discussed this in our investigation into the water crisis. Think of the increasing episodes of drought, floods, etc. We're likely to go from dancing and singing in the rain to hopelessly singing for the rain. Third, the abundance of quality foods with rich nutrients. This is being challenged by global warming and unlikely to change unless we take a look at ourselves and then make a change. Think about those crazy carbon numbers we discussed when it came to steaks and other meats in our carbon-free calories deep dive. Fourth, the abundance of a stable climate is probably gone, as we are on track for a 2.6 degrees global warming by the end of the century, as global greenhouse gas emissions continue their inexorable increase. Or in other words, we are happily emulating our proverbial frog in its slowly boiling pot of water, as discussed in our climate change episode. And finally, the abundance of stable market returns is also being challenged because of a more endemic and uncertain path for inflation. With a transition from a world that has enjoyed lower interest rates for longer to that of a higher interest rate for longer, where TINA, as in there is no alternative, and FOMO, the fear of missing out, will no longer drive investors' herd mentality going forward, as they did in the past.
1: It seems you have covered quite a lot of these themes in your previous episodes and that we should revisit them to find the answer to the question of abundance or lack thereof.
0: Indeed, there is no magic wand or a miracle solution. We will simply need to adapt as best as we can to this new chapter of the human experience. In conclusion, I will mention an interesting and thought-provoking TEDx talk, entitled The Most Scarce Resource on the Planet, Mindset of Abundance by Naveen Jain, an award-winning CEO and entrepreneur. Naveen argues that we should move away from the current mindset of scarcity and adopt a mindset of abundance. A scarcity mindset forces humans to compete and fight for resources, to store more than we need and to live in a constant state of anxiety and fear, which is part of our survival instincts. ABBA would say this is where the winner takes it all. Instead, a mindset of abundance implies more cooperation, sharing, innovation, creativity, and entrepreneurship to meet the daunting challenges of tomorrow. And particularly, a redefinition of what we really need. A mindset of where less is more. Winston Churchill summarized this change in mindset very well when he said, A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Thank you for listening to this episode of 2050 Investors. I hope this episode has helped you get a better glimpse of the end of abundance and how we will need to adapt by 2050. You can find the show on your regular streaming apps. Please subscribe, leave comments and stars anywhere you like, and spread the word. See you at the next episode. My precious. While the following podcast discusses the financial markets, it does not recommend any particular investment decision. If you're unsure of the merits of any investment decision, please seek professional advice.